Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. A final word on self-reflection. So I've been talking a lot about self-reflection over the last few weeks with the idea that it's good to look back at what you've been doing. Not just in your own practices, but what are you doing for your clients? Are you reaching their goals? Are you meeting their goals? If things are going well, what did you do well? If things are not going well, what didn't you do? What can you do to make them better? All of these things will help you move forward. Moving forward into a new program design, which will be our newest topic. So today's going to kind of blur the line. It's going to be part reflection, part looking forward to new program design ideas or the philosophy of program design. Now, when I say philosophy, I'm not going to get very spiritual here on you and start getting, you know, way deep into this, but there is a philosophy behind these things. Um, And although our YouTube channel is going to start covering specific ideas like taking a sprinter and highlighting a program we would do for them, the hows, the whys, all of that. This new series that we're going to do is going to be somewhat of a companion to that. What we're trying to do is I'm going to outline some general themes, things you need to think about before you even put pen to paper. Some of these things are basic in terms of, you know, how do you come up with exercise selection? How do you come up with the right testing, work, rest ratios? All of these things you've heard me talk about before, right? All of these things have been brought up in the podcast in one form or another, but we've never delved deep into them. And when I mean deep, I don't mean just over and over, talking over and over about how important it is to choose the right exercises, because I could say it's very important and be done with it. What we're talking about is looking at everything that is around you. Because I think one thing that is misunderstood, or not misunderstood, but just missed in life, is people's observation skills. Being able to observe what's around them and make changes. You know, on a very basic level, um, you know, my, my previous boss um, at the YMCA, uh, Jeff Knox, he had a, a real good analogy. He he was a lifeguard. He was a swimmer, and you know, worked around pools forever and, and lifeguarded a lot. And they have like an actual scan, like a, a timed, uh, well, maybe not timed, but a you know they're supposed to scan here, scan here, scan here every few seconds. So <clears throat> they are taught specifically how to look around and scan the pool for potential dangers and that's their job the job's not to just sit there until they hear trouble and then react it's they're actively scanning making sure everything's running smoothly and so you want to teach your floor staff at the y say for example to listen to odd sounds something falls and makes a weird noise go check it out that's not a normal gym noise now weights clanking people talking you know, shoes screeching on the floor. These are all things you'd hear in a gym, right? That's none of those are um, abnormal to hear in the gym, right? But at the same time, if you hear something that and, you know you get used to those or immune to those, then sometimes you hear different things and you want to uh, be able to adjust to that or go investigate because something this is not right. And if something's not right, go check it out. It may be nothing. You may even hear something and then hear people laugh. Okay, well, no one's in danger, no one's hurt. Still go check it out. So 
what we're getting into here is the observation of everything around you can be very useful when pro when designing the program. And, and again, it's not just about knowing what equipment you have available to you, although that's obviously very helpful, but it's knowing how you program and how you write your program. So let me give you a quick example. And then I'm gonna go back in depth a little bit. So all of this falls under, okay, I've done some self-assessment or I've done some assessment and now I need to put things into play. So what I'm putting into play here or what I'm proposing that we do here is that when I look at a program or when I look at designing a program, I want to take like a 30,000 foot view. I just kind of want to overlay things as I start to put ideas together. So let's say I've done some self-reflection. Again, this is the final word on that. I've done some, I realize that my programs are not getting the results they should. However, I know that scientifically the exercises I'm giving should work. There's no reason they shouldn't. And my clients are capable of getting the workouts done. So why are they not getting there? Now, if you're a one-on-one -on -one client, it could be your delivery, how you're telling them. If you're training a team of athletes and you have it on a spreadsheet or something like that, or an app or whatever, it may not be clearly designed. And so that's what I'm getting at. How you deliver it can, can make or break. So there's a couple terms I want to throw out there. A couple of things that um, I think will help um, help help do this uh, or help un make, make people understand this. Um, there are two terms that we want to talk about here. One is called learned helplessness and one is taught helplessness. So learned helplessness is, you know, if someone has come in and they've tried to work out a million times and for whatever reason they fail. And so they have come in and they have always failed and they have this working out is not for me. I just can't do it. I can't get it done. It's not, it's not good for me. So you know that in your assessment. So you've assessed them. You've reflected on what they've told you. Now it's time to write the program. What are you going to put into your program that's going to make them be successful this time? Because right now they view training as I've tried it a million times. I've always failed at it. It doesn't really work for me. And they, even though they understand that anyone can exercise and everyone has the ability to exercise, they truly believe that, that themselves cannot exercise because they've tried it and failed. They obviously don't have all the details that we have on putting together programs, but just putting together a program that is technically sound does not mean it's going to be successful because you have not broken that idea of learned helplessness from that person. But in this scenario I painted earlier, there can also be something called taught helplessness, which is where you as a coach or something or a designer, let's say you're a, an engineer, you've come up with a product and you've engineered this thing or you've written out a program a certain way and it's very confusing to look at and to decipher and people then get out of, out of whack. So for example, um, when I first started uh, strength training, or strength coaching at Ottawa University, the football coach gave me a um, 
a sample template of a former strength coach that had written programs for them. Now, this strength coach was a very accomplished strength coach, has won awards. Far be it to say, or not, or safe to say, he's more accomplished than myself, at least in the sense that he is more well-known and proven himself at the highest level. So the way he wrote the workouts was extremely confusing to me. Now, I understood the workouts. I understood what was, what was to be done. But when it came time to you know, record and where to put the weights and what tempo to use, the display was confusing. The coach liked it because he laid it out on a spreadsheet that had, say, sheet number one had you know, every Monday over a four-week cycle. So it was week one, week two, week three, week four of day one on one page. Then the next page was week one, week two, week three, week four of day two of the program, and then so on and so forth. So when you're looking at it, you can look from day week one to week four of this day one thing, which say is a squat day, and you can see how your squats are gonna progress over the next four weeks. And I like that, that made sense to me. I had never done it that way before. I had already kind of written it top to bottom, just going in order. This is workout one, workout two, stepwise like that. So this was, different for me but then he had all of these every individual cell had all these different things on there and again if that's all the athlete knows then maybe it's it was easy to follow um, but what I did was I took that and I simplified it because I put fewer boxes on there fewer lines now I didn't take anything away because coach liked that template so I wanted to put my own workouts into that same template right and so I eliminated some of the highlighting on the Excel thing. And so like they had it done so every cell was highlighted or had a dark outline around the box, which sounds simple, right? That's no big deal, right? But when you're looking at it on paper, you see all these boxes. It's just like, what goes here? It was very confusing or could be very confusing. So it would be conceivable that some kids don't know what to put where, don't know where to record their exercises. And over time, they forget what they did the week before because they didn't record it properly because they didn't understand where to put it. So I just simplified that, right? So that's uh, a design of something that, that we see all the time that's basic um, uh, Excel file, but simplifying it to make it, again, just a little more readable, that's all. The, the idea of it was fine. Laying it out in that fashion that he had it was fine. I just simplified it when I put my own workouts in there. So the taught helplessness would be this ph phenomenon of someone, you know, failing, not because, you know, the program was bad, but because it was constructed poorly or the design, it didn't work well. You know, you could look at, say, um, um, what, what's a good example? Say there's a, um, a Chick-fil-A drive-through, one of the drive-throughs here in town, uh, although a lot of them, you know, now have the double lane, they also have your pickup like where you pick up the food, the wind, the pickup window, then crosses over the two-lane drive-through window. So it's like a circle rather than kind of veer off to the side. Or so, so the people exiting have to wait for the people in line to clear, and then that backs up the whole process. So the the two lanes are designed to speed up the the uh, process, but the way this parking lot is designed, and it's not every Chick-fil-A, it's just this one that I know of. Is designed because it's kind of forced in the corner intersection here 
the exit line, the pickup window, has to exit through the drive-through line, the back of the drive-through line, and it just it can, in my opinion, slow things down. Every time I've been to that Chick-fil-A and gone through the drive-through, it is extremely slow compared to every other Chick-fil-A, which is extremely efficient. So, you know, it, it, it's like their process, their practices are are sound, and I like. I don't mind the person outside. I know some people think it's inappropriate to have people outside. Taking orders is dangerous. I, I don't have a problem with that. This is just a poor layout. And I don't know that it was necessarily Chick-fil-A's fault. It was the way that building was originally designed, whoever designed it. That being said, there's some taut helplessness there. In other words, whenever a person experiences that, especially like a lunch hour or something like that, it's got to be a disaster to the point where some people who would probably go get Chick-fil-A won't go there. They just feel like, nope, lunchtime, can't go there. I have to do after work or I have to do um, you know, a midday snack there or whatever if I want to go to Chick-fil-A because that's what they've been taught over and over and over again. Every time they go to that one drive-thru, it's, it's insanity and they don't want to do it anymore. Now, this can happen with your program design, so not just how what the exercises are but how you're delivering it. So when I talk about getting into the philosophy of um, you know sorry I lost my train of thought there I'm tra- I'm talking about looking at everything not just what exercises you're picking but how you're delivering it and is how you're delivering it going to be the best way to deliver it for that person one other quick example um, I wrote that workout in that format for the football team, in that grid style that I talked about, which is what the coach wanted, so I listened to him. But I had some other uh, teams, like tennis, who had never lifted before, and I wanted the workout when when it was delivered to them to be simple and be you know laid out in a in a very easy readable manner. No charts, no graphs, nothing confusing. Just very basic. Boom, here it is. And again, that that came from a thought, a point of, I like the other way. I liked what I came up with for the football team or how I adjusted what was given to me. And it made sense to me and I thought it was very efficient. But I, I had to look at my audience. These people were used to lifting. They knew what was going on versus another team that had never lifted before. Everything was brand new. I wanted to make sure that I didn't overwhelm them just by the stuff I was giving them or the, how I was giving it to them. So we learn how to do these things by trial and error, right? So this is where that final word on assessment comes through. So over time, people have developed programs and delivered programs and done things differently based on the results they've gotten from the world or from the world get, you know, feedback they've been getting. So this is no different, and we don't want this to be any different, right? This should be all the same type of setup, so to speak. So I, I want to make sure that um, what we get across to you guys is when you're putting together a program, you need to think about not just what's in there, but the delivery of your program. So when people have goals or when when they have you know objectives they're trying to hit 
they're going to think about you know, what they need to do to get there. They're going to assess the situation or you're going to assess the situation on how to write their program. And based on what you've known has happened in the past or what you the feedback you get, you're going to change things around. And again, so that program design is kind of ever evolving. But you're going to learn the best way to deliver your program to different people. And you have to understand that the way you teach it can change from person to person because not everyone learns the same and not every group will take it the same. They can be taught this helplessness or if they're coming to you with learned helplessness, you're going to make an error if you try to force a particular model and not adjust how you deliver it based on what they've learned in the past or how they're being taught currently if it's not working out. So this also goes into the thought of when you're assessing what happened, why are they not getting the results? That's where that taught helplessness can come into play. It's going to you're going to look at yourself first. And again, final word on a self-assessment. You need to assess yourself first. Okay, that's always my first go-to. Did I correctly do this? Cuz I'm pretty sure that what I write is going to be what they need. Right? That's the easy part, really, is they, they need to get stronger. I'm going to have them do these exercises. They want to get bigger, I'll have them do these or combination of. But when it's not working, and I'm pretty sure it should, the first thing I'll look at is did I describe it clearly? Did I deliver it in a, in a good manner? Are they just not understanding it? What, what is going wrong? What about this whole design is not working? And it, and it may be a very easy fix, but... That's a part of program design that's not often talked about, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to um, look at every piece of this, you know, where, you know, how, how to, you know, again, properly assess things or once you've got the assessment done, how to move forward and get rid of this um thought or idea that um, that everything is you know one not one I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding overly overly complicated basic basic premise here is moving forward starting starting with the next podcast is I want you guys to think about your world around you how you can communicate to others around you how you can look at things from uh, that bird's eye view and then make the proper corrections or make the a proper adjustments based on who you're coaching and what the objective is. And not just, don't think of program design as just uh, sets, reps, rest intervals, exercise selection. That's obviously, those are the tools. That's what goes into it. But there's a lot more that goes into putting it all together and deciding what are the best exercises to do and what the best format to deliver it is and who is my audience and how, I'm, how am I going to change this from this person to this person to that person. Okay, so I know that's a lot. I've kind of repeated myself several times, but I'm saying all of this because I want to jump off point on my next podcast here that's going to go into this whole idea about program design 
the philosophy behind it and what is going to go on behind the scenes, all the things you need to consider other other than the basics, because we know the basics, other than the basics, what we need to consider to move forward. And this is going to help people from for any walk of life. So if you're listening to this and you're one of my clients or one of our members here, whatever job you have, if you're giving a presentation, this information is going to be very generalized to be usable for a lot of different vocations. So uh, I, I'm really excited about this next little series that we're doing on Coaching the Coach. So stay tuned. More to come. Have a good one.